0: I'm only gonna tell you this once. That is now your chair, Captain. My friends, the great experiment. The greatest trick, train, trick. Headed. Trick, trick. Would you look at that? The greatest trick, trick. That you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of star.
1: Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. It's an off-season episode. Let's introduce our guest from screen, from stage, from uh, college auditorium, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from uh, from YouTube. Oh, that's sewer. <laughs> from all over the place. He's Adam Ragusea. He's, You know what? I buried the best credit of all. Friend to me and Ben. Yeah. Friend for a long, long time, Adam Ragusea. Welcome to the show.
2: I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for being here.
1: Best friends forever. <laughs> Why do you put up with us?
2: <laughs> First question, Knoxville. I was actually trying to remember that because I remember there was one point really early on in Greatest Gen existing that you came and stayed at my apartment in New York the goose and i don't remember how we knew each other well enough at that point for me to be like yeah you can sleep in my apartment <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's hard to imagine the goose ever going through a hard time and then needing a
0: place to crash
1: and for him to be that desperate to crash at your place ben.
0: <laughs> right there that's the privilege of a man who's that tall that <laughs> he can just invite other men to his house without first assessing whether he can best them in battle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I could probably best him in battle. I think that we must have met either through Sarus Faravar, mm-hmm. uh, good, good friend to all of us, good friend to everyone, yeah, or or through Jesse Thorne, another good, good mensch of mensches, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think, you know, we that was... There was some kind of orbit there. And I was listening to the show from the beginning because I read Ceruse's uh, article about it. Um, as many people, that's how many people got on board. Um, and then I, th- I think that all you had for music at that point was dark materia and n- no one knew if dark materia was a noun or a verb or a plural <laughs> singular, you know, gendered in how, in what way. No one knew. Um, what a dark materia is or how to reach a dark materia.
2: We did exchange emails with dark materia very early on. I think we were probably, I think probably right before the Ars Technic art- article dropped, we were like, hey, we should probably like make sure it's cool that we're using this music <laughs> on this podcast we weren't expecting anyone to listen to. And somehow we found their email and emailed them and they sent back like a one line, like,
0: go for it, go sick. I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, you make sure you get the timeline right on that, buddy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> goose. It looks like you're uh, recording from your grow operation. My grow operation, I know.
0: How is it going in in the greenhouse? It's the best. I uh, I've not yet shown it to any people in my audience, but cool. Are we going to be uh, available to the people on home video on your channel? uh with this episode
2: we are making history live on videotape today okay
0: all right videotape and and laser discs got it okay
2: if you're uncomfortable with
1: this
0: we can just say it's a green screen and uh (laughs) you know what because i i tried to get fucking professional i put a backlight on me right so check that out there yeah like but I feel like that's making me look green screened because it's giving me a rim, like a, a rimlet thing that I yeah, thought yeah. would make me look like uh, the submarine in uh, the other submarine movie that we like, not Hunter Red October. Crimson Tide. Uh, but... Crimson Tide, yeah.
1: One of the most difficult things you can do is give yourself a rim, but I think, <laughs> yeah. I think
0: you look great over there. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. But speaking of this space and of, of particular interest to your viewers and listeners, um, and maybe I'll give you guys a shot of this. Uh, to edit in for home video is I, I put in a fish tank like in a cattle trough, right? Uh huh. And I put like the filter and the air stones and the you know the pumps and everything. I was able to put under the floorboards, so you don't hear anything. All you hear is the burbling in here. Nice. Yeah, that's nice. So I'm growing aquatic plants in there, and then I've got room for some fish. So you doing aquaponics? Yeah. So I'm doing aquaponics, and so I've got some room for some fish in there. Um, and well, there's one there now named Gracie, and then there will be another (laughs) named George. Of course. (laughs) And I've got the fucking, I've got the sign from the bus on the side of the, uh, the fucking (laughs) trough, which was really hard to do because when that, you know, see George and Gracie have a whale of a good time in Sausalito Aquarium, right? Like when that appears on the side of the bus in Star Trek four, it's in like really deep perspective. So I had to, like, learn how to, like – because now you can, like, re perspective images really easily in Photoshop, but I didn't know how to do that. So I was, like – I had to, like, stretch this shit around, and, and then you could kind of tell – you can still kind of tell that, like, the left side of it was in – was was behind the focal plane a little bit but it still looks pretty badass but the reason i mentioned all of that was that it's like i I sent it to like you know signs.com or whatever hashtag not necessarily signs.com um (laughs) i sent it to you know signs.com or what have you or or similar concern and they wrote back and they were like we can't print this this is uh this is like kind of blurry and uh it won't look good
1: since when is science.com concerned
2: about how good it looks? <laughs> We've never gotten that kind of pushback from the company that makes all the stuff on podshop.biz.
0: I'm not even trying to fucking make merch out of it. Where like I would understand if they actually wanted to like, you know, make sure that their brand wasn't gonna be on like a shitty t shirt. I would actually understand that, this is like one time personal purchase. Mm-hmm and I was like why and they were like it's gonna look blurry and I was like it's it's going to look blurry because it was in deep perspective in the movie and I had to flatten it out and so the left side of it was kind of behind the focal plane and <laughs> and then like it was like a half an hour of discussing that with like the human or the in India or the AI I couldn't figure out which it was um, helping me out here and eventually there and I was just like look it's my money I'm not gonna blame you it's okay <laughs> and to my surprise they relented i kind of thought that this was just the this was the administrative level of hell that i'd been consigned to you know but no they kind of relented and they print and it looks fucking bitchin it looks so good this sign
2: strong work by the trusted sign com people uh at the end <laughs> of the day way to take your money but your use of the term "behind the focal plane" sort of leads us to one of the topics we wanted to talk about today.
1: You know, the greatest danger facing
3: us is an irrational fear of the unknown. unknown. Black alert! Unknown.
2: Black alert! We all have, one way or another, found ourselves behind a camera, and over the course of our careers, and we all grew up watching Star Trek: The Next Generation, and cetera, and. Uh, you you actually had this pitch, Goose, like talking about the ways Star Trek made us think about cinematography before we maybe even knew what cinematography was, and I think uh, I think that's a great a great topic for us because we love nerding out about film crap.
0: Yeah, and you guys actually kind of don't do it as much as you used to. It it was a hallmark of early TGG and Associated Media Properties because I think you guys your heads were still very much in the space of doing production um you love to nerd out about the technical stuff and i maybe it was a bit of a crutch you hadn't found that part of yourself that reviews star trek for a living while making of the dicketh and the farteth um (laughs) like that that thing that thing whatever you want to call it had not fully been developed and, and birthed into the world at that point and so you were falling back on doing kind of uh, you know, uh, tech geek kind of talk, you know, but I, m- I miss a lot of the tech geek talk. We've definitely seen that in our, uh,
2: in our Apple podcast reviews. These guys used to talk about cinematography. Now they're just drunk idiots.
1: You're many orders of magnitude bigger than our show. How do you deal with your reviews?
0: Uh, I do not read them ever. That's the policy. I had to cut myself off. Yeah. Um, I was very conscious that, like, that's how that's how you get Stalin, you know, uh, when when calls of personality are formed and the leader becomes isolated. Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know
2: Adam Ragusea quietly has a bigger body count than Hitler. You know,
0: that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to read the stuff early on because I thought you don't want to get cut off from from reality. Mm-hmm. Um But reality was just too brutal, um, and it was just eating my life, and so I had to completely, uh, yeah, get get out of the game.
2: There's a a total duality to it. We had uh, visits to Vegas for the Star Trek convention uh, pretty recently, and
1: you got to come with us to that sometime, Goose. You'd love it. Do I? Yeah,
0: Yeah. Vegas. Do I?
2: Vegas is all of very little use to me personally as a place or a thing and i love it um and it was like it's it's especially fun for me and adam because we're like there hanging with friends of de soto with people who listen to our show which is not something that we get to do at an extended clip very often you know like sometimes we'll have a meet and greet at a show or like a one-on-one But they're always brief, like, they're inherently brief, because if it's happening on tour, we've got to, you know, pack up and get to the hotel so that we can get up early in the morning. And having, like, long, like, actual human interactions with people that like the thing that we make was so great this year, especially. Puts gas in the
1: tank, man.
0: It does. does, But also recall that FODs are not just anyone's fod. Okay. They're not That's your father's true. FOD. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Today's FODs are really special people <laughs> and you guys get lucky, you know, although I will say, I'm, I think I'm realizing something, which is that since I have transitioned away, I used to do way more videos on YouTube than I do now. And I, I do way fewer. Um, but I, but I added a podcast that I do every week. um, that, you know, is, is, is insignificant in, in its audience compared to the videos. The videos are what pay for the whole operation, but the podcast has its audience. Mm-hmm. And what I'm realizing is I feel like that my pod audience, as it has coalesced, also as the show has sort of become whatever the fuck the show is. Um, the audience I feel like is more similar to your audience where it's like, it's my core people, like podcasting is a medium. I think because, because discoverability is, has, is so shitty for podcasts and always will be shitty for podcasts. What that creates is a little bit more of a dedicated bond between the audience and the content creator. And so what you have is more of a core only business model with podcasting. Whereas on YouTube, I have like core plus where mm-hmm. I've got the like, 50,000 people that will, you know, watch or listen to anything that I do. But beyond that, I have to earn. And also showtime,
1: like for some reason. That's <laughs> that's how that works.
0: Sorry, <laughs> exactly. Which, which means that at certain times of day, you can see boobs. <laughs> right.
1: That's such an interesting distinction, like the, the difference between a podcast audience and a, and a YouTube audience. Do you have a name for them?
0: Like we have FODs. My sort of tagline is vinegar leg is on the right. Um, I, I tried to call them vinegar leggets," Um, <laughs> which I thought worked on a few levels. Yeah, that's fun. But, you know, much to my surprise didn't really catch on. Uh, yeah. but it's, it's the kind of thing. It's like, if I, if my audience, if the audience I'd started with was my core audience, then I think that probably would have worked. But because right. I was in the core plus business model, uh, shit like that just didn't fly. Uh, yeah. Do you ever get the chance to to
1: in person with them the way Ben and I have been able to?
0: I am of a level of internet fame where I do get recognized in person most times I go out. That's great. Or not. <laughs> it's very not great. And I and I want people to know if you're an Adam Aggusia super fan and you would come up to me in a, in at the grocery store or something, please know that like I'm not mad at you. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you're doing anything wrong by coming up and saying, hi, I love your work. Like, you're doing nothing wrong. That's what you're supposed to do. It's a me problem that that still makes me deeply uncomfortable, right? That is my fault. Right. Um, that, like, there's this, like, you know, guy at my gym who sort of, you know, did a very friendly and polite, you know, pleasure to know you thing, you know, this was Jim Bro protocol followed mm-hmm. to a letter, right? Mm-hmm. And said he was a fan. I said, Oh, that's great. But like, because I go there and he goes there, now I have to negotiate the fact that he and I theoretically know each other. And I'm like, am I going to do the acknowledgement when I walk by him? Am I not going to do the acknowledgement? Am I going to try to avoid the like? And I, it's awful. I fucking hate it. It's like, <laughs> I kind of almost want to get a different Jim over it, which is wow. again. Is again that is like a me problem, dude. If you're listening, that is not a you problem. Please do not feel bad. You have done nothing wrong. That's all me. Um, but it still fucking sucks. Yeah, I, I don't like being famous. is 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 terrible. It's it is it's just bad. And I, I think that like I'm realizing that like this is why we're consigned to the to the hell that we are consigned to, where the only people who want to be famous are are awful people. It's like running for office, right? It's people with narcissistic personality disorder or sociopaths. Yeah. Uh, and that's it pretty much. You know, those are the only people who want it. And it's, yeah, if you're, if you're anything, any, if you're any shade of normal, not awful person, even a slight little bit of fame feels kind of awful. Yeah.
1: Well, fortunately for us, fame was thrust upon us. It, we were not the thrusters.
0: You guys took it, you, you took it like a champ though. Especially because it was it was it was Klingon, so it was a double, and you guys just lined up perfectly, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Uh, Dan Savage always says, "Do your homework," and that's really the key to success.
1: That's what Ben said early on. He was like, uh, "We're gonna get Star Trek famous. Now we're Star Trek famous. We have been Star Trek famous," <laughs> and
2: that's what made the whole experience so pleasurable. We live by the adage, "DTMFa do Trek." Media fun already. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's famous. <laughs>
3: uh. You know, the greatest danger facing us is an irrational fear of the unknown. Let's
2: fly. Uncertainty. <laughs> Let's steer back to cinematography. <laughs> <laughs> I had a jazz gummy and a bunch of rum before we started this. I feel like I'm like the most on. <laughs> I feel
1: like we're in a, a a driver's ed car with three steering wheels somehow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have jazz gummy too, but I'll drive your show if you need me to.
1: I love that idea.
0: I'm kind of curious to hear like why that idea came up for you Goose, like when we were
2: texting about like what we could do if we all got on mics together today. Uh-huh. Uh this idea came from you and I like I definitely can think of some things that I learned about cinematography from Trek and and that, like, Trek forced me to be curious about as a kid when I mm-hmm. didn't know what cinematography was. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious to hear, uh, from you what those things are.
0: I'm guessing that Pranica's experience is similar and mine is going to be the odd person's out because I, I was such, I'm so not a visual thinker, you know? Like, I just, it's just not important to me. Visuals ever really have been, you know? Um, that I didn't pay attention to cinematography at all watching movies, um, when I was a kid. And then when I had a, a video job thrust upon me, I had to learn and, and learn really fast and you guys helped me a lot along the way. Um, but I reached back into my memory bin for sort of Star Trek knowledge As I have over many points in my broadcasting career, I mean, I remember my first radio job when I was a classical music announcer at WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana. I remember thinking, I don't – this script I've been handed feels really stupid. Like, this is not – none of these words are words that a person would say. And – but what I was like, it is my job. You know, they bring me in here to do a job. (laughs) (laughs) and what i thought of was i thought of captain picard i thought about how like i thought about how jl pipes would just commit to the most serious man in the world the most serious actor in the world would commit to that ridiculous fucking techno babble or all i mean honestly first two seasons you know all bets are off with all dialogue it was all ridiculous And how he threw the fort, the, you know, the force of Shakespeare behind it without a hint of knowing, winking, which would be such a fucking cop out, you know? Right. Or rolling Um, his eyes at it. uh, Where he's like, where he's really, he's really throwing his show and everyone he's working with under the bus by kind of winking at the camera to show that he knows how fucking stupid this show is. Like he could have done that and he did not fucking do that. Shatner did that shit all the fucking time, you know? (laughs) J.L. Pipes was a fucking professional he committed to the bit every single fucking time and so I remember reading my like you know bad copy about like what opera is coming up next and (laughs) trying to commit to it like like J.L. Pipes would so all of that comes to like now when I fall bass backwards into like a video career not having any knowledge or even talent or inclination toward visuals whatsoever I had to kind of learn, and I remember thinking about Star Trek stuff. And so the first thing that came to mind is, this is like my earliest knowledge of being aware that a camera did more than just show you what it looked like, that a camera would alter the reality in some way. So it was um, the pilot of DS9 when Commander Sisko goes to see Picard, I believe, in the conference room, right? Welcome
2: to Bajor. It's been a long time, Captain. We met before? Yes, sir. We met in battle. I was on the Saratoga at Wolf
3: 359.
0: Yeah. And you see a set on the Next Generation, on the D, shot for a different show, Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. And it looks really different. And I remember as a kid, that striking me. And I was like, oh, what is that? How does the show look different? It's the same place. It's the same actor. How does it look different? Yeah. Which, by the way, guys, why do they look so different? They're both shot on film, right? They're both shot on film. I think that
2: primarily they're lit really differently. And... Lit, like the lighting in Deep Space Nine is so radically moody for a television show even at that in that era I remember when I was a kid watching a movie and liking watching a movie on the you know VHS player turning around and watching an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation be like like what is it about the quality of this that is so different and I was surprised to learn that TNG was shot on film at some point when I was like a teenager because I was like oh it must just be that they shoot TV on tape and that's why TV looks different from movies and the fact that the like when you do a telecine where you're scanning 24 frame per second film to 30 interlaced frame per second video it like like, there's, like, weird pull-down things and, like, tricks that have to be played at the, like, microsecond level to, like, accommodate the fact that...
0: That's artifact that we're seeing as some kind of, like, that sort of smoothing effect that seems to happen to the film once it gets processed into video?
2: Well, so, when they're shooting for video, they're shooting at 30 frames per second. And and when they're shooting a film, like, when you then go to make the VHS tape of that film, like, it's a it's a a complicated process with like a video engineer, like working that pull down. And like anybody who's ever tried to pull like, a an interlaced video into a digital editing environment and seen that interlacing artifacts knows that like a lot of weird fucking choices got made to like make color video be transmissible over the air in the like early days of television and that stuff like, had knock-on effects in all of the formats that that we had for a long time. And it's things like that. It's things like the way you light for television versus a film. You know, like when you, when you know that it's going out in, you know, 540 by 480 or something around their uh, definition, like you don't usually light as moody as they lit Deep Space Nine because people won't be able to see the stuff that's going on. You know, you light everything super bright. Cause it'll be higher contrast. Yeah. And, and you know, you'll, uh, you'll look as good as you can on the most different kinds of televisions because also televisions are made by so many different manufacturers. And I mean, this is stuff that's all like, you know, like after a film school's worth of education, I understand like some of it and I understand like the basic outlines of it. But like, I remember being intensely curious about that as a kid. Like when I finished watching, uh, a tape of Star Wars and clicked over to the, you know, channel 44 broadcast of, of Star Trek. Why, why, why do these things look as radically different as they do? And it's like, it is a mountain of reasons.
1: That scene goose that you were talking about, that scene where Cisco meets Picard, I didn't really notice as much the differences in lighting or composition as much as I felt like the, the emotional, tell us any of that moment like
0: (laughs) wow we have our title (laughs) you're saying it it was all performance and then i inferred like a different look to the shot that's how well acted it was
1: we've had years and years of captain picard getting react shots from everyone he's with and getting a version of that that some kind of uh fawning or, or rank disparity, or respect, or whatever. And Avery Brooks looks at him in that scene like he wants to tear his head off. And that is not something, as a kid, I was used to seeing.
2: In the meantime, however... In the meantime, I will do the job I've been ordered to do to the best of my ability,
0: sir. Dismissed. Yeah, I think they also just shot it a little darker. I mean, because one thing that I now... N- see and i'm able to notice as being remarkable is that tng later season tng i think from about season three ish onward wow did they light shit brightly for that Mm -hmm. show like that is if you like i was watching a season seven episode last night um and all the bridge shots everybody's face they look like they are lit up with a ring light for a L'Oreal commercial, yeah. <laughs> you know, like like the amount of light that it takes to to completely sandblast every shadow out of existence. No one has any wrinkles. There's mm-hmm. no fine lines, nothing. You just sort of glow like an angel. We
2: just did our live show, The Re-Encounter at Farpoint, a couple of months ago, and Revisiting the pilot, I was very much struck by how dark the pilot is. Like the the pilot has mood lighting; it has, you know, spotlights. It has it lets the background fall off to almost jet black in in certain places. Like, I mean, talking about the battle bridge, that place is scary
0: as hell. Yeah, I know exactly. I don't know why they ended up opting for such a bright look as they went, but the if, there are several effects of it. One being that it made the Enterprise such a friendly, happy place to be. Yeah, which is like the main thing that I miss in most other Trek. You know, mm-hmm. that this isn't a scary place. That it's not a. Sh- they made a big thing out of it. This is not a ship of war. This mm-hmm. is a place where ki- there's a kindergarten here. Yeah. There's a fucking kindergarten here, <laughs> right? Like it's a it's a city.
2: Sir, can you please leave the kindergarten if you're going to keep yelling, there's a fucking kindergarten
0: here? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I wish, I. it's the kind of thing, like, I feel like none of the other set designers, I feel like they're not thinking about, is this a ship? Have we talked about, is this a ship where families live? Right. right? Like, and and if it is a ship where families live, like, what the fuck are we doing with the lighting in these corridors, you know? (laughs) People don't live in this leather bar. Are we trying to traumatize these children? Like, what the fuck? And also, like, human beings are not going to want to live in conditions like this for years at a time, you know? It wouldn't look like that. It would look much brighter and more enjoyable, at least during you know, solar day years.
1: I think Pike's Enterprise is the one version of new Star Trek that is lit brighter, more like early season TNG. Like, the the fact that, that Pike's Enterprise has a white floor, I think, does a lot of the work. <laughs> yeah, it, I, it could be that simple. We need to score a lot of
0: luck fast. My licensed
1: I have tried so many meal services over the years after all i am a podcast host and i gotta tell you factor meals is my favorite why because i can go from what am i gonna have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with factor meals and don't sleep on their smoothies either i got six of these in the box this week mango tropical fruit strawberry banana they're all amazing they're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to Factormeals.com Trek50 and use the code Trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code Trek50 at Factormeals.com Trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product. Or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower a shave little spritz of fragrance me I think of shaving my nuts and not just my nuts all around those nuts I'm talking all around those nuts and this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of play-doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop it's wrinkly it's wriggly nothing stays in place and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident that's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t-shirt which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Hi, Adam Pranica here for Podshop.biz. The easy way to dress, drink, and decorate virtually anything fast with embarrassment that lasts. Podshop.biz is not a cult, and it's not a multi-level marketing scheme. It's a supercharged carousel of crap spinning at a high rate of speed for all your dorky needs. Ordinary web stores are a mess, but with Podshop.biz, you'll find products from all of our shows referring to many of our most popular bits. Shirts, glasses, and bags from other websites can damage your mood, but not with Podshop.biz. Our nerdy jokey bullshit will rebuild your damaged attitude and turn you into a person with Riz. Turn your laptop from off the shelf to off the hook with a sticker. Make pool time cool time with our line of hilarious swimwear. And stop raw-dogging your smartphone, strap it up with a choice of designs that will have you go from saying hello to hello. But that's not all. At podshop.biz, you can choose from the Brenner Information Systems Collection, the Uxbridge Shimoda Corporate Collection, This Old Enterprise, logos for Greatest Generation and Greatest Trek, and more. Order now at
0: podshop.biz. Back for another game. You know it.
2: What's going on?
0: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
2: <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one.
0: Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect
3: to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
0: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app.
3: And at MaximumFun.org. That, that,
2: that is now your chair, Captain. Uh, Oh, it's a new shipboard. Can we talk a little bit about the uh, the music you're working on for our coverage of Star Trek: Colon Enterprise?
0: Oh, wow! You'll, I'm stuck back at Colon, but um, <laughs> I we don't want to spoil it, right? No, no spoilers. It's not a
1: spoiler to say that we're working on that. It's a totally different approach, okay?
2: It's going to be divisive, I think.
0: Dark Materia, we thank Dark Materia for Dark Materia's long and generous service. But this is sort of going to be an approach that's not inspired by Dark Materia. Uh, it is a little bit more f- faithful to the source material. We're staying a little closer to the text. <laughs> um, you know, cause just, it's just, what does it mean? <laughs> when the text is that good, you know, you just want to trust, you just want to trust this guy, you know, or mm-hmm. this lady, Diane Warren. Uh, the composer of, uh, the text in question. Uh, one of the great <laughs> songwriters of all time, Diane Warren. Like, it's like. Wow. The internet sleuths have figured this out.
1: <laughs> Her lyrics are written in red. That's how you know
2: that
0: she's mm. the
2: one saying them, right? In certain sects. I
0: think. <laughs> There's things about the upcoming new theme music for Greatest Gen that. Uh, I still don't know. I don't know what your your guy's approach is going to be in terms of how it could potentially be rendered or who could be rendering it. yeah, I, I hope to God it's someone other than me.
1: Well, the last time we collaborated on a on a music project it was for the new music for greatest trek, and maybe we could talk about that experience as a project i think I think we went through a couple of versions
0: of that, oh sure, yeah.
1: The way we have frequently done something together has been like, we'll give you a couple notes before you begin, you'll take them and run with it, and then we'll just sort of bounce versions back and forth.
0: Sure, yeah. So let me catch people up. This will be the very short version about how we sort of got to that point um, in our process. So um, the this this podcast in your feed right now, The Greatest Trek, started off as a show called The Greatest Discovery. When they launched the Star Trek Discovery program and you guys weren't sure if you should have a new feed for that. You went with, yes, let's have a new feed for that, which I'm sure is a decision that you regretted at times and, uh, rejoiced in in others. Um, a lot of rejoicing now, now that there's so much new Trek, but then there's this, there's the strikes. So there's the strikes. So you guys might be screwed again. But anyways, um, uh, <laughs> we stand, we stand with labor. Uh, yeah, solidarity, 100%. Friends of DeSoto for labor.com.
1: Solidarity with labor, yes.
0: So anyway, so you guys needed a theme, like a kind of a a dark materia style theme about this new Star Trek show called Star Trek Discovery for your podcast. And I was like, how do we do that? Because the show had not yet come out and you guys weren't yet famous enough that you were getting screeners, which, you know, thank the gods you are now. Uh, I think it's not about us being famous. I think they just loosened up who gets screeners. I think kind of a lot of people (laughs) get them
1: now. I think Diane Warren. I think she's responsible somehow.
0: Whether you had to push harder or if they just had to loosen it up, the, the result was (laughs) achieved either way. Yeah. So, uh, what we had was the trailer for Star Trek Discovery. And so I was like, okay, could I try to make, could I try to make a theme out of this? Which not only has very little dialogue in it, um, it also, because it's for a trailer, there's like very loud scoring behind all of it, you know, and if there, whenever there's scoring behind the dialogue that I want to use, that creates enormous problems, it boxes me in in terms of chord changes that I can do and all that. Yeah. It also was the case that, you know, that trailer was bad and it made the show look bad. And a lot of the dialogue that was in that trailer actually isn't even in the show. It was like yeah. stuff from earlier cuts that didn't even make it, you know. And I, it, it was all just supremely goofy. And so the best thing I could, could come up with was to kind of, I just kept hearing, you know, Captain Picard saying like, What the fuck <laughs> is this? In response to shit that, you know the disco characters were saying and i feel so kind of ashamed about it now because you know i love what that show became and the actors on it my jesus christ you know yeah um the the notion that you know we got to touch michelle yo's toe as she ascended to superstardom i know you know is pretty amazing (laughs) that's that's pretty incredible that we got to taste a little bit of that fairy dust on her way up to the fucking top where she belonged yeah um but anyways, so I made this kind of goofy music where the it was these TNG characters making fun of these new disco characters. And it was like a fun gag. And I was actually really proud of the music. Um, I thought musically I you know my approach to my approach to dealing with all of the crazy background music was to do a more kind of atonal thing harmonically that would give me a little bit more latitude so it's a little more bleep bloopy you know uh harmonically speaking and and it ended up being really kind of goofy and fun and then the best part is like toward the end of it and I was—it always bothered me so much that you guys never played it. And but I, I could never imagine being the kind of person who would say something about it. But it was always this continuous source of disappointment to me that I think Robs, who was editing the show at the time, never used it. That theme goes really high BPM toward the end. It goes like really, like you know, really kind of trancy. Mm-hmm. And I did this thing where I did the. I did the, you don't deserve to wear that uniform thing in the same way that Dark Materia did it, which is really, yeah, yeah. that, that rhythm is not in, it's not in the line. A lot of these other lines, you know, the rhythm is, is in them, right? You know, inextricably. That one he really had to cut, he or she had to cut really creatively in order to get that beautiful rhythm. And I, I was able to do that and therefore have this like thing that was, a text that was referencing a text that was referencing how a text referenced text. And it was just, I just, I loved that. And I was so proud of that. And you guys never played it. So fuck <coughs> you, Rob's.
1: Whoa! How could you say that? <laughs>
0: um, but anyways, so that, that was that. And it's sh- the, it, it <laughs> served the show well enough, but I think we were all kind of unhappy with how <laughs> that theme music made fun of the show. Right. It, it yeah, made fun yeah. of star Trek discovery. We didn't like that. And we also didn't like that it made fun of disco in exactly the wrong way to make fun of disco. Like there's, yeah. like disco is not a perfect series, made a lot of really bad choices. You know, yeah. there's things to make fun of with disco, but like the gatekeepery shit, the that's not my Star Trek shit was yeah. just the worst. Right. And. Are the theme that we came up with? Really, I shouldn't pin this all on you. The theme that I came up with—it's you and Robs.
2: Get him, Adam. Him, get him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't gatekeepery humor, but it was. It was unfortunately like harmonious. It was. Yeah. Re- it resonated, unfortunately, with gatekeepery bullshit
1: in an unintended kind of way. I think absolutely, hundred percent.
0: You know, it was pointed
2: out several times, and you know, in several ways that that. Was an inference someone could make based on, like, if they gave a really close reading to
0: what wound up being the lyrics of that song. Dislike, downvote. Yeah. So you guys, you know, wanted me to sort of do something. And I, and two things were happening. One was I was, you know, it was when all these news track shows were coming online, and it was just like, God, what, which characters do we feature? Who's who's going to be the exciting Trek character this week that you're going to want in your theme song five years from now?
2: Right. And how do we make it a song that can accommodate like the shows that we don't even know are happening yet? They're
0: going to exist. Yeah, exactly. So we had no good solution to that question. And at the same time, it was also the case that, like, you know, my career was taking off and like. And you guys were like super encouraged. You were, you know, you guys were my biggest cheerleaders and I I wanted a ride on that rocket ship. (laughs) So yeah, I could not, I could, I didn't have time to make a better theme song for you guys. And we also didn't know how to do it, even if I did have the time. Right. So eventually you guys were like, you were, you know, sure you were going to do this, uh, uh, relaunch the show, rebranded as greatest track. And I was not going to fuck this up for you this time. So I committed to giving you guys a theme and the plan that we came up with that I thought was good um was to like not really have many of new trek voices in theme have it all be classic OG original cast maybe a little bit of greatest gen but what they're doing is saying things about the future yeah and 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 trying to you know find thing dialogue that would be an antidote to gatekeepery trek trek bullshit where they're talking about how the greatest trek is yet to come. How um, you know? I'm delighted to to to, uh, to look forward to what the future holds. Um, and, and because those are those are such big, those are d- defining, foundational themes of Star Trek. It's not hard to find dialogue where our beloved original characters are articulating that foundational point of view that all the fucking Trek gatekeepers have forgotten. Even if the context for those
1: moments is awkward or weird, like one of my favorite parts of the Greatest Trek theme is what you did with uh, old man McCoy's She'll Always Take You Home. Like <laughs> that is the most smooth delivery in that composition. Like when that interstitial comes up and I'm driving, I'm even more chill of a driver Yeah, wherever I am. That is just a great moment in that composition.
2: It responds to a way in which Trek sort of teaches you to like how to be a fan of it because I've always said not my Star Trek and it's because I don't believe that the best Star Trek show has yet been made.
0: Oh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> you fucker. How
2: long were you
1: holding to that mic? Under the
2: desk, I found the mic nearby. Uh, yeah, it was just, I was just—I was thinking, hey, we're making a video thing. We should do a couple of video gags, you know?
1: <laughs> that was big fun. <laughs> See, Goose, you could learn something from that kind of a uh, physical comedy showman. Yeah, I
0: know. Uh,
2: uh, not my forte. The biggest comedy reveal was the fact that I'm wearing. These ridiculous shorts. And then it's chubbies. You got some chubbies. You got them chubs. I'm wearing <laughs> Nantucket reds
0: with little whales embroidered all over oh, them. Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> hell yeah! Lean into the prep, Harrison. Lean into the fucking prep. Get a fucking sailboat, Jared.
2: I want a get sailboat a so bad.
0: Sailboat.
2: I live on the East Side, man. I, I never go to the water.
1: Yeah, the best you can do is uh the swan paddler at Echo Park Lake. <laughs> will you vacation on Nantucket with
0: me? Oh, I'm there. Am I invited too or is that just Ben? Yes, you can. You can, but it's mostly about watching what Ben does, right? Like that's that's really that's the promise of the premise. Cape Vineyard or Nantucket. I'm happy to to
2: do any and all of. I will eat all of the lobster rolls. I will I will bake
0: all of the clams. None of that lobster is sustainable this year says seafoodwatch.org so don't do that.
1: Fuck. Oh, but also
0: but also stop talking about that the minute you enter New England. <laughs> mm. Like that's yeah. an that's an that's yeah. an understanding that we have to get between ourselves now before the plane lands at Logan, okay? I do not want a fucking Boston sports fan who riding on <laughs> me f-
2: for saying the wrong thing.
1: Cheer. Oh, new ship. How did we know we had the greatest trek theme when it was done? Was that just one of those things where a deadline tells you when you're done? Or did we know we had it?
0: I wanted it to have carry over some musical identity from the um, the previous theme, the greatest discovery theme. A for continuity and B because musically I just liked that one. Yeah. So I had that kind of goofy little ba da ba 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 da ba ba da figure. And when I found a way to make that silly ass theme, that figure, sound kind of grand enough to work in the context of kind of an uplifting and hopeful orchestral Trek-y sounding theme, that's when I felt like I had found the right idea to then work out and send to you guys. I love how modular it is. I love how it like works for the different shows in the
2: different ways it works for them. Like tonally, these shows are all so different, and I feel I feel like our theme is fun alongside all of those tones. Uh, you know, whatever whatever thing we're about to talk about. So we feel awful lucky to to have the musical director of Uxbridge Shimoda be somebody as awesome as you, Goose,
1: and fortunate to count you as a friend, man. We really love you, and we're uh, we're glad to have you not just as an FOD, but as a real life friend of ours. So. Glad you're there.
0: Well, boys, so maybe now is a good time to broach a <laughs> oh, difficult topic. Um, so you understand that as much as you depend on me, I depend mm-hmm. on you, right? Like the shows that you make, that's like, did your dad have like, like his one thing that he paid attention to that he never let go of throughout his whole life? You know, his one <laughs> magazine that he, that he right. n- never stopped reading. Like. Or my my dad still it's time magazine that man will not wow. give up time magazine right it, just cuz it it's too it's too important of a thing in his life like he just couldn't i don't know what he i think he doesn't know how he would get himself to sleep without his time magazine
1: does it look like it's too thick to be a time magazine and maybe there's another magazine inside
0: <laughs> of time <laughs> God, it would serve him right for his intrusions into my business in that regard. What the hell? You've been reading Harper's Bazaar the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so, greatest gen and greatest trek. These programs are baked into the cake of my life. I don't know. I don't know what I would do with various times of my life. You know, it's part of the the my collective to 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 extricate <laughs> it would be like asking one of us to. Cut off an arm or a foot. We couldn't do it. <laughs> Tremendous. These, these programs can never die as long as, until, until I do, really, okay, is what yeah. it boils down to. So, so
1: you're proposing some sort of suicide cult?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: no, 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 no. Um, it may come to that, but hopefully we're a few revolutions from that. Um, so I don't know if you guys were thinking about whether or not your audience would, would tolerate you guys. Watching all of Star Trek Enterprise and then watching all of the original series and then rotating back around to do TNG again. Oh, yeah. that I want to do that. <laughs> That's the end of the line. Just have confidence that we are 100% all I speak for the entire board. Okay. The entire uh, union uh-huh. is behind me on this. Okay. As the union representative on the board of Uxbridge Shimoda, I, Adam Ragusea... Give you our full faith in authorization that you continue the mission over again for at least one additional revolution.
2: I absolutely live for rewatching TNG. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I want to do that. Oh, thank God. I was so afraid that you guys were going to be like, oh, we just want to like move on with our lives. And it's just we don't want to get typecast, you know.
1: I'm handcuffed to the radiator that is this show. <laughs> okay. Oh,
0: thank God.
1: There's just a, a dull hacksaw and a filthy toilet next to me for the rest of my life.
0: And you know that you can watch all of of the original series, even though you've covered a lot of original series episodes on The Greatest Trek. That's fine. Over in TGD, you can do a full, a full honest-to-God watch of the original series.
1: We need to do it sequentially. Yeah.
2: In that earlier metaphor, Adam, am I the... Dull hacksaw or am I the dirty toilet?
0: What do you want to be? (laughs) And which one's the goose? (laughs) The realtor says that you always want to be the hacksaw, right? Right. But but you'd really rather, you'd rather have the dirty toilet. So I kind of feel like, you know, there's more to life. There's more to life than resale value is all I'm saying, lady. Okay. I'm, it's not an investment. I'm going to fucking live in it. All right. Thinking about your home as an investment is what got us into this fucking mess.
2: Is this a new shirt for us? This is like- It's the emojis of handcuffs, radiator, hacksaw, dirty toilet. Greatest gen. <laughs> There's a dirty toilet emoji, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> kind of realtor looking lady?
2: <laughs> Adam Ragusea, uh,
0: where can people find you? Oh, I, I'd ra- I'd rather they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I'm honestly as more, as famous as I want to be. I, I'd be fine having no additional...
1: Your credits right. include the theme song to Greatest Trek.
0: <laughs> and the theme song to... Uh, I wrote the Kirk song for all of your tour spots. That's an underrated oh, Raguse composition. I think... People wanted to listen to that one a little bit more. I think I did a good job on that one, the Kirk song.
1: You got us uh, Santa Monica Mountains. You rounded that into shape, didn't you? Or did you just teach me how to auto-tune my own voice? I know you were instrumental in me sounding that specific way.
0: I gave you guys a mix on that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was fun. That was a lot of fun. I I I would listen to that. I would listen to that for fun.
1: Yeah. yeah. Great track, hot track.
0: When we were in
2: Vegas, we went to karaoke, and Pranica and I did a Shit. rendition of uh, of the original Baywatch theme.
0: With the lyrics from the show, or the, or from your show? We
2: couldn't do it off the top of the dome from from our show, so we did the. Lyrics oh from the yeah, show.
0: You, you needed the bouncing ball.
2: Yeah. Um, but, some hey. people
0: need, I love how he goes to help somebody <laughs> to help. It's like, yeah, he needs a HEPA filter. Jimmy Jameson's a hip cat. Yeah. Some people need to help somebody. Here yeah, the surrender, surrender. inside. Don't right. you worry.
2: Goose, you to got to right. go. You got to go, Ooh. man. There's priority one messages. We got to hang up. Oh,
0: give me them P ones. Put it <laughs> in the one. we're out of time. Put the one into the other one.
2: How are we? Oh. How are we kicking the goose off of our show? Right
0: Fucking do it. Put He's the peas in the ones. All the ones episode. into the peas.
1: Not even close.
0: Flip the peas around so they look like bees. Fuck, put the one in there. Oh! <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll cut it off there. Goose,
1: we love you tons, man. We'll have you back on the show soon because uh, it's strike season and we're not uh, we're not doing new programming for a bit. Well, there's a new ship. You treat her
3: like a lady. You treat her like a lady. She'll always bring it
1: home. Well, a wide-ranging conversation had with Adam Ragusea. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> not sure if we actually achieved any of the goals we set up for ourselves.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure anything in the Priority One message inbox would surprise me after that, Ben. You want to go see what we got in there? Let's do it.
0: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel.
1: Ben, our first Priority One message is from the Dith. Oh. And it is to Captain Lisotto. Okay. The message goes like this. Dear Captain Lesoto, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Just kidding. I accept your invitation and I promise not to pee in the pool. Kisses the Dith.
2: Oh, shit. It's on for 2024. <laughs> so,
1: uh, this is a callback to a P1 we got last month from uh, from Captain Lesoto to the Dith uh, with an invitation to Star Trek Las Vegas 2024 and the Miriam pool parties that will most assuredly take place there
2: yeah we had a, a great time in the Pranica Cabanica this year but uh, you next... let
1: out just a little bit of pee in the Rio you saw the blue food coloring and you're like nope gotta get out of the pool Gotta go do it in the pool shower like a gentleman
2: Right, exactly Um, No, that was actually just, I had some blue food coloring in the pocket of my my trunks trunks that opened accidentally What a bit
1: that would be! (laughs) Oh man, has anyone done that?
2: (laughs) I mean, the Rio pool is the place to do it, right?
1: (laughs) Absolutely Oh yeah, because you know they wouldn't clear out that pool for any reason
2: Okay, here's the thing Adam and I won't remember this after we stop recording tonight. Yeah. So this is on the Friends of DeSoto. Everyone that comes to Pranica Cabanica 2024, get one of those little weird droplet-shaped blue food colors.
1: I can't co-sign this. This is going to be entered into evidence in 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 a lawsuit. And Ben, you don't win a lawsuit against a casino.
2: Don't do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely scared of a casino that's going out of business.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd have to be an idiot to uh, operate a failing casino.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, we'll see you next year, Captain Lesoto and the Dith. Uh, our next Priority One message is from Greg, Chief Medical Officer, and it is two military FODs. And it goes like this. After serving three tours as a medic and medical officer... SNW under the cloak of war Caught me off guard I couldn't finish it And wanted to remind FODs Of resources available to them Military OneSource 800-342-9647 Veterans Crisis Dial 988 Then 1 Or text 838255 It gets better Get help And we are better off With you here with us Hey, Greg, thank you for uh, an important reminder and definitely something we should have probably put a content warning on uh, before that episode. And uh, thank you for sharing those those numbers.
1: Yeah, it makes me wonder why Strange New Worlds itself didn't put a content warning there. I think I think it might have been a project where after you complete it, you're just unaware of how extremely on target you are with your depiction like I don't know if I'm involved in strange new worlds production of that episode like I feel like I'm making a good episode during but you will never know Greg's personal experience and you'll never know exactly how it'll hit if you're in the military like I really wonder how it felt to be the creator of such an episode and to see how it didn't always hit in the way you intended. I mean, yeah, man. We don't have control of, about how <laughs> our podcast hits. Yeah, that's like part of the mystery of creating anything.
2: Yeah, one of the one of the things that we like really do try to do is think ahead of of how it will hit in as many ways as we can from our like limited perspectives and. Um, I think this is probably an example of one where we like probably could have anticipated that a tiny bit better. A uh, very surprising
1: coincidence that such a serious and useful message was sent during the
2: Adam Ragusia
1: episode. <laughs> Which means we should we should probably put another content warning before this episode.
2: Yeah. Warning. In this episode, Ben will suggest people bring blue food coloring to the Rio pool next year, and Adam will strongly disagree.
1: Adam infers some sort of suicide pact completely out of the context of the conversation <laughs> being had. <laughs> You're going to trigger
0: someone! (laughs) You're going to get a bunch of people kicked out of a bad pool! (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) Greg, thanks for uh, the P1, and thanks to everybody who gets a P1. It's MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron uh, to do that, and uh, we really appreciate it.
1: Let's not do Edward Larkins. I think it's pretty clear that uh, the
2: goose... Was today's Larkin? Goose is the Larkin today. Uh, there can be no other Larkin. Um, Not because of anything you did wrong,
1: just for being his purest self tonight. That was a a really fun hang with him. We yeah. don't get to hang out enough.
2: We don't get to hang out enough, and I think that um, I think that'll be a real fun one for the. The fans of his show the uh the, the vinegar leggets out there to, to mm-hmm. see him as loose as he got tonight <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that was big fun
2: ah, can't wait to stuff. see
1: him out on tour yeah. at that atlanta show
2: yeah we uh we've got lots of fun stuff coming up adam we got uh one last bit of business we need to attend to before we go today and that is a warning board. do you want to pull one up sure can ben but why do we even read these Warning boys are a way that uh, people go online and encourage the right kind of folks to listen to our show and to discourage the wrong kind of folks to listen to our show. Sort of like a content warning. Yeah. You, uh, you, you post on social media in a way that makes it clear what the vibes are.
3: Prepare a buoy and
1: launch it when ready.
0: Warning boys.
1: An emergency buoy. A warning buoy. Ben, I'm going to read you something from Apple Podcasts. Oh, great. Apple Podcasts is one of the places that uh, really puts us in the sweet spot algorithmically Mm. (laughs) (laughs) when we get good reviews there. Here's the uh, headline to that. This podcast changed my life. It's from Catastrophe, spelled with a K and an I, like like Kit, like the car from Knight Rider. Uh Uh-huh, okay. All right. Sure people think I'm confirming my planned attendance at funerals and that I don't know that Miriam is a woman's name but the pod encourages me to watch episode to trek with a new eye. <laughs> Those two being references to RSVP and my repeated mispronunciation of myriad. Both intentional. The message continues, I never would have noticed camera angles or recognized the That Guy Supporting Actor if not for this podcast. It's the next best thing to having actual friends to nerd out about each new episode of Star Trek with.
2: Oh, man. Catastrophe. You rule.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that was a nice
2: thing to say. We really appreciate everybody that leaves a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever... Uh, whatever place online you can think of to recommend the show and if you do it uh, we might find it and mention it here on the warning boys segment sometime in the future yeah get the word out really does a lot of good with that we are going to throw the episode over to Rob Adler and uh, he will read you some credits
3: The Greatest Trick is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica, produced by Wendy Pretty, and this episode was edited by Rob Adler. Next week, Ben and Adam will be talking about the Season 4 premiere episode of Lower Decks. Don't miss it! Thanks again to our special guest, Adam Ragusia, who made our theme music and interstitial music. Don't forget to check out his YouTube page and podcast. You can keep up to date with us on social media by following at GreatestTrek, And a big thanks to the car daddy, Bill Tilly, who runs those accounts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for another episode of Greatest Trek.